Do you want to make more Dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great Dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's Dynasty value. Many topics such as keep trade buy, make amends, and trade addicts trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts podcast. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty podcast with your host, Dan Myler. Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Dan, Matt, and Ryan. Last week I teased at the end of the episode that uh, maybe we'd get all three of us back. But this week it was Ryan checking in, Matt checking out, <laughs> and it's just the two of us, McDowell. Yeah, we got we got the turnstile here at the DLF uh, Dynasty Pod with, with yeah. uh, the three of us. You know, we've been busy. Things have been busy this summer, but training camps are open. At least most of them, they'll all be open by the end of the week. We're getting all of our summer trips and all those things kind of out of the way. So we'll be ready for the uh, for the football season and ready to talk Dynasty every single week here. Yeah, we're getting focused on these training camp battles and all the news that's slowly trickling out of Roto World and everywhere else. Uh, we're trying to watch Twitter or X or whatever the heck they're oh, calling no. that now. That, yeah. that whole thing uh, <laughs> on Monday, chaos. Uh, but we got some fun stuff to talk about this week. There's some good news with uh, running back that we like. Uh, we'll get to that here shortly. We got some potential dynasty risers that we need to talk about. Guys that Ryan and I have kind of handpicked that we think throughout training camp may add a little dynasty value. So maybe now is the time to try to add those guys via trade to your dynasty rosters. And then we're going to compare DLF ADP to underdog ADP to try to mine for some values. Uh, try to try to uncover some players that redraft players are investing heavily in that maybe we're not at the same level. We'll see if we can do that. We, we did it last year. In fact, it was an episode that just me and you were on, Ryan. And this year we'll uh, we'll try to do the same. But first, let's uh, let's get to the startup. The startup, yeah, the startup is a good one. We got some good news early this week. Javante Williams, running back for the Denver Broncos, Ryan. He's not going to end up on the pup list to begin training camp, which indicates he'll at least be active at at training camp to start uh, to start things off here uh, as we approach August. And man, with everything that Javante has gone through, not only in the dynasty and fantasy game, but also just out there from fantasy or, or from football fans in general, this is some really good news from a young back that we're excited to, to really get his first chance to be the guy for the Broncos. Yeah, it's it's great to get this good news early here. Um, you know, we're we're used to unfortunately once these players get on the field, we start hearing some bad injury news, and we've we've gotten some of that over the past couple of days as well. But um, 
you know, just a reminder, this is how the pup list works. This is, this is kind of how the NFL goes because so often we hear that term pup list and, and we automatically think that the player is going to miss the first six games of the season. We're talking about two different things here. The, the, the camp pup list, if a player goes on that pup list before they actually take part in a practice, they haven't lost any, any game time. They could still come back and, and play as early as week one. Um, and, and kind of on the other side of that, if a player avoids that, essentially, if the Broncos are so confident that Javante Williams is ready to go, that they don't even feel the need to put him on that pup list, even for a day or two, you know, we saw, we saw Kendra Miller go on the pup list for two days. Uh, and, and it's just, it's obviously was not that big of a deal for Javante Williams to avoid that pup list altogether is is obviously very very good news. He's been he's been undervalued really for the past 9 months or so. I, uh that that JK Dobbins injury and uh and his return from that injury has really it really had a major effect on on Javante Williams and and other players trying to come back from this injury. We we're assuming the same situation will play out for Williams and for others and uh it's so far, at least, it's looking like that won't be the case, which is great. You know, Ryan, it felt like in years past, before uh, the J.K. Dobbins injury mm. that you're kind of referring to, it felt like we were getting to the point where ACLs were becoming less and less yeah. dramatic right. of an injury. Uh, the the timetable for return was inside a year for a lot of a lot of players, and and really, we saw we saw a handful of players come back inside a year and play at or above the level they had been in the past. So I guess the JK Dobbins ones was a, was a reminder that these are serious injuries and, and we need to take them serious as fantasy managers, but there is still the potential that guys can return quickly. We have to remember this wasn't a August or September injury that uh, Javante Williams uh, suffered last year. That torn ACL came in October. And the expectations for many was that he wouldn't be ready, not only for training camp, but potentially even week one. And then we we did get some good news uh, just a few months ago when after undergoing that, that knee surgery, uh, right away after the injury, um, he, he came back and was saying he was running. I think it was back in April or May. He said he felt good and that he expected to be at camp. I guess we all took that as a grain of salt and player speak. It seems like that's exactly what's going to happen here. And Javante, who now really is entering a situation with a coaching staff that we're excited about. Yeah. And uh, maybe even a quarterback that there's some renewed interest in with Russell Wilson. If, if things maybe turn around because of that coaching staff. Um, Javante could be stepping into a real nice situation where as interested as we are in really the only other running back on the roster that should uh, vie for any carries there, Samaj P. Ryan, who comes over from Cincinnati after having a nice season last year uh, as the, as the, I guess, Robin to Joe Mixon's Batman. We're all kind of hoping that Javante's the Batman in that backfield and, and he kind of takes reins there, leaving Samaj P. Ryan to be that that scat back, that 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 guy that fills in from time to time. You know, when you look at uh, Javante Williams ADP, of course, his value took a hit post injury. Uh, October of last year, you mentioned that the injury was uh, took place in October. We collected data 
uh, at the beginning of the month. And Javante Williams was the RB4 at that point uh, and, and lost quite a bit of value. You look at the next few months, RB14 in November. Uh, he drops to his low point in December of RB18. And then he's steadily been trying to regain that value, RB16, RB10, 14, 15, 16. This month, he's actually the RB17, his second lowest value, an ADP of 53 overall in our single quarterback uh, DLF Dynasty ADP. So even as recently as the past couple weeks, there's been that that concern that he won't be ready, maybe even that assumption from, from Dynasty managers that he won't be ready, that Samaj P. Ryan's going to start the season, that uh, the Javante's going to land on not only the, the training camp pup list, but the regular season pup list and, and potentially miss six weeks. And I mean, honestly, that could still, you know, that could still happen. Um, but although it seems like it would take a setback at this point to, right. for something like that to happen. Right. Again, they're, they're not going to put him on the field if they're not confident that he's, he's ready to go because that, that training camp pup is, is just a safety net that teams can use. So again, that's why we're stressing this. That's why it's such good news that he's good to go from the start of training camp here. Um, I mean, obviously we're going to see the value skyrocket from here. RB 17, 53 overall. This is a player that could be an RB one based on DLF ADP or based on dynasty ADP really by the time the season starts. I mean, he could go from RB 17 this month to RB uh, 10, 12, 13, Uh, yeah. as early as next month based on this. I think we should maybe maybe get in the Dynasty DeLorean for a second on this Javante okay. Williams news because um, it wasn't that long ago. I think we, we glazed over it as it, uh, even on the, on the podcast here, Ryan, a few months ago. I think it was April or May that I think they were having mini camps or something like that. And there was some positive news about Javante that in fact, I think Sean Payton, I was, I was reading, he called him our starter and, Mm. and he said in an interview that, that he's doing really well. And, and in fact, the quote is uh, our current starter is doing extremely well. I would tell you, we expect him to be ready for the start of training camp. And that's good news. That's Javante. And we all, we all thought, maybe that's coach speak. And we do those segments that time of year where we think to ourselves, is this coach speak or is this real? And it feels now that everybody in Denver knew that Javante was doing well, that Williams would be on the field in training camp. And we as dynasty managers maybe should have been reacting to that and buying at those running back 15, running back 17 prices when we know now that he could be running back 10 or 12, as you mentioned there, in as short as a couple weeks, especially if there's if there's one uh, one video that hits social media of Javante hitting a cutback and bursting through between tacklers who aren't even trying to tackle him, that that ADP is going to skyrocket. Yeah, for sure. You look at the running backs ranked ahead of him currently. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, J.K. Dobbins is the RB sixteen, just right above mm-hmm. him. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is one of those players that we got some bad news on to start camp. He is on that pup list and uh, not out on the field yet. Hopefully that changes soon. Uh, but Derrick Henry, Najee Harris, Tony Pollard, uh, there's there's room to grow here for Javante Williams. Just turned 23 years old. So he was he was a, a young player entering the league and now two years in and, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully fully recovered from this injury. 
and just turning 23 years old. This is a guy who was the RB3, RB4 in Dynasty not that long ago. There isn't a running back in front of him that is younger than him until you get up to RB12 with Kenneth Walker, who, crazily enough, is only about six months younger yeah. uh, than Javante Williams, who feels like he's been in the league for a while already, even though it's two years. Uh, we've been waiting patiently on Javante to come through for us in Dynasty, and it just hasn't quite happened. My my gut, my spidey sense here, Ryan, says says he's a post-hype sleeper. He's going to... He's going to run with this opportunity. He seems motivated and all the right things are happening for him to, to really take a step forward. And for those of us who have been patient or invested it in him over this off season, when his value was low, I think it's going to pay off big time. As long as he doesn't have one of those setbacks. Speaking of injury news from training camp, the only other thing we should touch on here, Ryan is probably for Superflex owners. There's a QB two out there that, Dynasty managers are thinking, man, maybe I can get something out of Jimmy Garoppolo. It seems like he's going to stay off that pup list as well. And he's not going to have any restrictions as training camp begins. Yeah, good news for the Raiders, obviously. And and as you said, I mean, at this point, we mainly care about Garoppolo in super flex leagues. Uh, he was a strong fantasy starter last year uh, prior to the injury, but that's a totally different system. So we don't want to... Uh, assume that will translate too much to the Raiders. But uh, I think most importantly, it's good news for Devonte Adams and, and for the rest of the pass catchers there uh, with the Raiders, because uh, the, if Garoppolo did miss time, the backup options were not strong ones. Uh, so we, we could have really seen, I mean, I do think Adams has, has shown himself to be quarterback proof, but um it certainly would have been rough going for the Raiders in general. So to get um, to get Garoppolo on the field to start camp again, just as we were saying with Javante, is is great news here. That was a that was a big contract that Garoppolo signed, just three years, but seventy two and a half million dollars. And you know he failed that physical back in March, and that was that was another yeah. bit of news that we talked about, I believe, and and people got got worried really about not only Garoppolo in those super flex and two quarterback leagues, but also the pass catchers there in Las Vegas, as well as the rest of that offense. And now it seems like those fears have been alleviated. He passes the physical, he won't be on pup and he gets that time to work with Devonte. I think we as fantasy players, Ryan, recognize that the situation going from San Francisco and the weapons that he had with the 49ers, that coaching staff, as well, and now ending up in in uh, Las Vegas, um, that's a step down. It's going to be difficult for him to to regain the the fantasy points per game and even those finishes that he had at the peak of his career while he's with the 49ers. That said, he should be able to to feed the names, the Devonte Adams and, and those guys that that need to get the football. So if you have Adams, this is very positive news that Garoppolo is going to get to work with him right away in the uh, preseason and throughout training camp. Dynasty rankings. We teased it. We talked about maybe some potential dynasty risers as training camps open this week. And really we get our feet wet here uh, at the end of July, Ryan, but we talk about training camp and that's exciting. There's going to be preseason games before we know it. We're going to see some of these guys, some of these young players, especially 
on the field in really a matter of days, it almost feels like, not even yeah. weeks, uh, there's going to be a game in Canton in no time. So um, all this is happening right now, and we thought we'd discuss some players, one at, at least one at every position, that we expect to gain some dynasty value by the end of training camp, whether that be uh, because of a training camp battle, they win, news that comes up, an expected surge in production or opportunity. Those are all the things that we're looking for to try to identify most likely a young player that will will rise and not only become uh, roster worthy, but potentially even maybe in deep leagues flex worthy or a guy that we can start as soon as this year. Ryan. So let's kick this off at the quarterback position. Um, is there a guy for you uh, under center that you expect to gain some dynasty value between now and the start of the regular season? Yeah, there's a few. And, and again, as we're doing this, we're f- trying to focus on young players and we're focusing on those players who are maybe further down the ranks than we think they should be. Uh, we are using the current uh, single quarterback DLF dynasty rankings for this. So our top 250 rankings. And when I look at that quarterback list, one name really stands out to me. I, I think you'll probably agree with me on this one, Dan. I went with Jordan Love, uh, the quarterback of your Packers. He is the quarterback 26 in our current rankings, just 24 years old. And I mean, we we know about the questions at this point when it comes to Jordan Love that he's you know what he's three or four years into his career and and we've we've hardly seen anything from him and uh, played behind Rodgers for so long but obviously still very young um I, I think still has a lot of upside I mean this is not a guy that was a day three pick that they're taking a shot on this is a a player that uh, most had graded as a first round pick and and the Packers took him in the first round I'm excited to see this offense and you're obviously more tuned in with the Packers than, than I am. But the more I I think about this team, the more I read reports about this team, it really feels like we've seen Aaron Rodgers' offense over the past 20 years, but especially the past five or six years, really he's running, he, he was running the show. And Mm -hmm. I don't even know. I don't even know if we, know uh what that team will look like we've we've heard reports uh all you know the past few weeks about the speed of this team and uh how how fast they're going to play and that's that's not something we've typically seen from the Packers offense at least in the past couple years I think I think the entire team could the entire offense I should say could look totally different and I think Jordan Love could be a big beneficiary of that yeah I I couldn't agree with you more. I I think everybody that listens to the show regularly knows I'm a love supporter and really feel like he could he could take a big step forward. I think that could start as soon as really training camp starts and he starts throwing passes and there's videos out there. I think it actually started maybe even a year ago in that game against the Eagles where he came in for an injured Rodgers and yeah. uh he made a few throws that that were reminiscent of young Aaron Rodgers uh both feet off the ground, all arm, lots of zip hit a guy in stride and it turns into a big touchdown. I, I know a lot of dynasty managers and the naysayers out there are point, well, that was, that was Christian Watson that made that play. <laughs> I, I, I tend to think that it was love delivering the football. So I I've watched every throw that he's thrown and uh, in the NFL, both in the preseason and in the regular season, the limited time that he's had. And he has, he has that it factor. I really do believe it. I completely agree with you there, Ryan. 
it was an Aaron Rodgers offense. And I'm not even sure even the biggest Packer fan knows exactly what the Matt LaFleur offense looks like. Yeah, with, exactly. With love or really anybody other than Rodgers running the show. And that could be seen as a negative, And I understand that if a dynasty manager thinks that. But I, I tend to think it might be a positive because uh, his whole career, talking about Jordan Love, has been under the tutelage of Matt LaFleur and what uh, what he's been trying to bring into this offense. And speaking of bringing into the offense, what about all these weapons that have come over the last year, year and a half between Watson and Dobbs last season, both those young tight ends in the first three rounds this year, not to mention Jaden Reed, who's going to be most likely the wide receiver three and maybe even push for wide receiver two snaps. It's a young offense and it's speedy. Like you mentioned, we didn't even mention the the name Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon, who should take some pressure off of love. I really it, like if I had to bet, if I had to say what's the over under on what uh, Jordan loves uh, ADP uh, quarterback ADP will be a year from today. I, and I think it's, I think he's like quarterback 20 or quarterback 21 right now. I I'd really, that have to be like quarterback 11.5. Uh, and and take bets on if it's going to be higher or lower because really the sky's the limit. There's not a lot of quarterbacks that have that kind of skill set that we don't know a lot about. Um, they're typically rookies. They're they're guys like the the three guys that we talk about almost on every show that were picked in the top ten picks this year. We don't talk about fourth year quarterbacks like that very often. And and a lot of people are writing him off. I, I think everybody better take a step back and think twice before this preseason comes. He makes a few throws and suddenly we're talking about him uh as a high end quarterback too as soon as mid season this year. Yeah, again, we're we're looking at DLF Dynasty rankings right now. And I mean, we've got several people, close to 10 people doing these rankings. And, you know, we pride ourselves on not having cookie cutter rankings. Uh, we all, the the eight or 10 of us who do these rankings all disagree quite a bit. Uh, I think that's one of the good things about DLF is that you can, maybe you can find the, uh, the person that you really agree with and, and follow their rankings, or you can, you know, take them as they're presented as, as an average. But I mean, looking at some of these players that are currently ranked ahead of Jordan Love, you know, Trey Lance, I know you're a big Trey Lance fan as well, Dan, but uh, Can't do that. It, it's tough to tell that story right now. And, and Trey Lance is several spots ahead of, uh, ahead of Jordan Love, as is Kenny Pickett, uh, an, another guy that you're a fan of. Uh, Kenny like Pickett's quarter, quarterback 20, I think. I think I'd rather have Jordan Love right now. Um, but you, so you I, the- I did an exercise, Ryan, where I looked th- through those rankings and, you know, conveniently on DLF there, the player age is listed right next yeah. to the player's name, yeah. right? It says player name, what team, and then what is age. And there are a handful of quarterbacks that, that that's age starts with a three mm. that are between quarterback 17 and quarterback 25. And I'd even throw Jared Goff into this conversation. Who's only 28. I would take Jordan Love over every single one of them. And that includes Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Kirk Cousins. I want them over all of them right now. Yeah, so we've got those rookies that you mentioned. Bryce Young is QB 14. CJ Stroud is QB 15. Totally uh, totally in line and in agreement with those rankings. And then I think that's where we really see a teardrop uh, Daniel Jones is currently the quarterback 16. You can, I guess you can argue if you think he belongs uh, in, in the tier above, or maybe he's beginning this group, but 
you're absolutely right. Uh, basically, Jordan Love is at the bottom of this big tier of 10 or 12 quarterbacks. And I don't think it would take much for him to to move ahead of uh, the majority of those. You you said a lot of those names there, Goff, Stafford, Carr. I already mentioned Lance, Geno Smith, uh, and then Wilson, Rogers, and Cousins. So, again, it would not take much for Jordan Love to go from quarterback 26 to quarterback 16. Yeah, so, you know, I, I don't want to sound like the, the Green Bay Packers homer or anything like that. Um, I know Wouldn't want sometimes that. I do, and, and Matt <laughs> does as well uh, from time to time. Might be too late for, for that. But, um, you know, you put Jordan Love as your selection here. That I think that's the clear one. There are a couple other options that we could have talked about here. We could have talked about Sam Howell, who sits way down there in the rankings right now, down there at quarterback 33. Um, we're talking about him in single quarterback is, is going undrafted in some leagues, not even being ranked by some. Um, we're so far down on the, the, the former fifth round pick. And I get that he doesn't have that pedigree maybe through the draft, but you, you just got to back up another year or so. And Sam Howell was considered a potentially a first round quarterback. And, and one bad season at North Carolina really moved him down the ranks. He slipped quite a ways. I also thought about talking about Brock Purdy. Ryan, who's who's actually below Jordan Love even after that great freshman season there with San Francisco. Quarterback 28, um, man, we've talked about Purdy so much. It just doesn't – you don't have to lie to tell a story about Brock Purdy suddenly becoming a mid-quarterback two or maybe even higher just based alone on those eight or ten games that he played in last year. Yeah, I, I nearly went with Purdy as, as my guy for this exercise as well. And really the only reason I didn't was because I feel like I've mentioned him on, on the past several shows as a, sure. a sleeper or a player I expect to gain value. But it's hard to ignore him at quarterback 28. And uh, it, it kind of reminds me of the situation you were talking about with the Denver Broncos and Javante Williams that yeah. they were trying they were trying to tell us exactly uh, how things are going and that Williams was making good progress and that things were looking good and uh, for whatever reason we we as a dynasty community uh, stuck with that JK Dobbins narrative that that he wasn't going to be ready or he wasn't recovering well well the same things happening in San Francisco they have let us know essentially since uh, the last couple weeks of the regular season last year that Brock Purdy is their guy and we've been stubborn. We've ignored the signs and, and we've tried to push Trey Lance up. And, and in fact, he is still uh, ranked solidly ahead of uh, ahead of Brock Purdy. I like Trey Lance too. I mean, he was a fun player to cheer for. I, I certainly hope he bounces back and finds a job somewhere if, if not with the 49ers, but we're we're kind of uh, ignoring reality here with with the San Francisco 49ers quarterback situation and i think it's going to hurt a lot of people from a from a dynasty standpoint and fantasy standpoint if we just keep assuming that that Lance is going to win this job or be the starter yeah the, assuming is not the right word at this point in the process it's it's got to be hope at this point, if, yeah. if you're a big Lance supporter and I do have that hope still, but I'm, I'm not assuming anything at all that that Lance is going to going to overcome Brock Purdy because all the all the tea leaves read that the the second year quarterback is going to take over that job for good. And maybe already did, uh, as you were alluding to there. Let's get through another uh, position here. Let's pivot to these quarterbacks backfield mates. 
you talk about some running backs. I had I had a running back that has been on my mind quite a bit. And I got a flashback again to I think four years ago when Rashad Penny was a first round pick to the Seattle Seahawks. And I kind of like that guy. He was mm-hmm. he was all right. He was a little bit all right. And then over the next few years, he just continued to get injury injured, buried on on uh, really waiver wires in most dynasty leagues until late in 2021 when he took over that backfield, breaking tackles, making long runs in Seattle, and suddenly reemerged and showed that really RB1 type of potential that still was unlocked inside his oft-injured body. Last year, he had another opportunity and once again got hurt, and now we find him in Philadelphia, Ryan. And we see him in these rankings down there at RB43. And a lot of managers are burnt. They're, they're, they're done with Rashad Penny. I'm not one of those guys, especially at this cost. If you can get back in at running back four prices and, and uh, roll with Rashad Penny as a flex or even a bench running back, that feels like an investment I'm willing to make. As long as you have the, the, the uh, correct philosophy going into things that, that Penny isn't going to play 17 games. He never has. He might miss 12. He might only miss five. But I really believe, Ryan, that even with DeAndre Swift there, Penny's going to get a lot of first and second down touches in Philadelphia behind a really good offensive line. And we talk about DeAndre Swift moving to Philadelphia, and a lot of times we think, well, he went from a great offensive line to a great offensive line, and now he now he's with a better coaching staff potentially, and and maybe they'll use him correctly and give him the opportunities that we always wanted in Detroit. Well, Penny, he's he's going from one of the worst offensive lines and an offensive uh, coaching staff that that maybe is back stuck in the '80s or '90s <laughs> to now an offense that is built around the running back. Honestly, even despite yeah. all those other all the other talent on that roster. They like to turn around and hand it to a running back between the tackles, grind the game away, and really, really shove the football right down your throat every chance they get. And Penny's that kind of tailback. DeAndre Swift maybe is not. I could see Penny getting 12, 16 touches a game as long as he's healthy. And at RB43 prices or uh, being ranked down there at RB43, that feels like a place I want to be. Yeah, I think you made a pretty good case there for Rashad Penny to be a gainer, a riser in our dynasty rankings over the next. It's few not going to take much this this preseason for for him to move up into RB three territory. Well, see, yeah, I, I, I mean RB three is fair. He's RB what forty three now, so can he gain seven or eight spots? Yeah, he probably can. My issue with with Penny when it comes to his value is. We saw, you know, that run that you mentioned at the end of 2021, he was a league winner. In fact, he, uh, four of the last five games of the season, he was an RB one and he scored uh, 25 plus fantasy points in three of those games, literally mm-hmm. won you a championship. If you had him on your roster, literally me, literally and, me. <laughs> and, and he still didn't see that big value gain going into right. the off season. You know, if you were if you were a real truther like my buddy Curtis Patrick, he loves Rashad Penny so much. But if you're a real truther like Curtis, maybe you, you pushed him back up your rankings or you fully bought in once again. But I think I think most dynasty players had been so burned by the injuries that even 
even with that that impressive production streak uh, to end the 21 season, they still just weren't buying in. So, you know, maybe maybe being with the Eagles again, you you made the case there and why why it could be a better situation than what he's had so far in his career. Maybe that's enough just being that kind of uh, you know, almost uh in vogue team that that we want to chase. Maybe that's enough to move him up. I mean, this guy is is the ultimate boom or bust player. I look at the past four years of his career, and of, of course we know a lot of that time he hasn't even been on the field. But when he has played, he's been an RB1, a top 12 running back, 25% of his games. He's been outside of the top 24, so RB3 or worse, 71% of his games. So he's he's not going to give you... 13 fantasy points. And you know, that's, that's not what he's doing. He's going to give you 20 or he's going to give you almost nothing too. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and we, I mean, we know the story here. It comes down to health, but if he stays healthy, absolutely. He's going to be a value gainer. I don't know. I, think, I don't I, know how much though. I think it's all it's going to take is that coaching staff saying Rashad pennies are starting running back and, and dynasty managers will take notice. I know you took a running back uh, that that's down there on the depth chart as well, even farther, quite a bit farther than Penny. Who'd you go with? Yeah, I dug, dug a little deeper here. I went with Ty Chandler, the Vikings uh, backup running back. He's the RB66 right now. I'm actually finishing up an article. Hopefully you'll see that on DLF soon, uh, covering a lot of the backup running backs around the league and just kind of th- their situation, their, their standing in dynasty and, uh, Ty Chandler fell under the category uh, of of increased role or or a growing role from last season, and of course last year we saw almost nothing from him. Dalvin Cook was the starter, Alexander Madison was the very capable backup, and and we know the deal now that uh, Madison's the starter, and and that backup job is is kind of up for grabs. There's there's a couple guys there, but Ty Chandler is my favorite of that group entering training camp it's it's a little bit of a shot in the dark because we really haven't seen uh, much if anything from him on an nfl field uh but a a, a big back uh, and a part of this honestly is also not not fully trusting alexander madison to hold up and to put up the type of production he has in in those short spurts over his career yeah, I like that one with Ty Chandler. He's a guy I've been monitoring this offseason as well. Uh, flipping over to the wide receiver position, I dug pretty deep on this one, Ryan. Our rankings have Rashid Shahi, wide receiver for the Saints, all the way down there at wide receiver 94. Holy cow, that's way down there. And Shahid doesn't have a, a long track record of NFL production. But he, there were spurts last. There were moments last season, not only as a returner, but also as that deep threat for the Saints. He caught 28 passes for nearly 500 yards and a couple of long touchdowns, and really um, kind of emerged as that that primary deep threat mm-hmm. for the Saints. And and looking at that Saints roster, it's difficult to to look at look at the talent that they have and say, wow, there's a there's a need for a third pass catcher with guys like Chris Olave, who we love, and, and Michael Thomas, who has been so great uh, until the recent stretch of seasons with injuries, um, not to mention Juwan Johnson, who's an up-and-coming tight end. There's there's pe- pass catchers in place, but the Saints' offense is desperate for that pass-catching distance receiver, that long downfield receiver. 
And, you know, we're going to talk about underdog here in a few minutes. I love Rashid Shahid and underdog or, or any kind of best ball format because he is going to be that field stretcher. He's that guy that only needs to catch one pass to, to put up 18 points in the game and suddenly uh, win you a matchup. Um, that doesn't always feel good to click his name when you're setting a lineup every week. But Rashid Shahid at wide receiver 94, that's, that's a travesty. We got we to gotta get him up there a little higher than that. He's a guy that I want on all my rosters as my wide receiver seven or eight. And, uh, you know, maybe he carves out a role. Maybe it's another Michael Thomas injury. Uh, either way, I think Shahid's getting on the field, and I think he's going to catch some touchdowns this season from Derek Carr. Yeah, Rashid Shahid might be 20 spots too low in our rankings, honestly. Um, a a yeah. player that I'm really interested in and um, – for for many of the same reasons that you laid out there, I, I think uh, the, the Saints did make a few moves this offseason, uh, but they didn't bring in really anybody to compete with Shahid for that that deep threat role. Uh, I think the upgrade at quarterback could be, uh, you know, I mean, we kind of laugh at, at, at Derek Carr a little bit, but he's going to represent a big upgrade for that team. I think it's yeah. huge, huge for Chris Olave and Juwan Johnson. And, uh, but I think it's great news for Shahid as well. So totally agree with you. Shahid's a guy I'm trying to get everywhere I can, uh, if possible. You got a wide receiver that I like as well. In fact, man, I, are you sure you're not a Packers fan? Uh, the Randall Cobb's gone. So I'm, my, my Packer days are over, I guess, but, uh, uh, I, I did go with the rookie Jaden Reed here. He's the wide receiver 69 currently in our rankings. And again, plenty of room to grow. We've already gotten some good news, uh, out of camp and, and out of the, uh, OTAs and things for him that he could potentially, uh, end up earning a starting role with the Packers. And, uh, that that's really honestly what uh, has me intrigued about him uh, that I, I think he could end up being the, uh, the second option there. And I, I think we even talked about Reed uh, quite a while ago on this pod. And I suggested that I could see a path to him leading the team in targets, uh, not necessarily receiving. I, I mean, Watson's the big, the big play and the touchdown scorer there, but uh, I think Reed could be the guy just soaking up targets from Jordan Love. Yeah, uh, he has a direct line to potentially play in a lot of slot snaps. And and depending if Love uses that slot receiver like Aaron Rodgers did or, or how the Packers have in the past, I, I could see that happening. It's not that much of a stretch for sure. You got a tight end you want to highlight as a guy who could gain some value by training camps in? Yeah, I went back to the Saints here uh, for some of the same reasons we already talked about with Shahid. Uh, Jawan Johnson, tight end 31 uh, way too low, in my opinion. I think he's he's the top 20 dynasty tight end uh, with maybe some room to grow there even. Yeah, I like that pick for sure. He was the guy I thought of. But once again, you got to the sheet before I did. Uh, I went a little bit higher on this one. Chig Okonkwo, he's, he's been highlighted as a potential sleeper, a guy that could rise up rankings or up ADP in the coming, uh, over the coming season, a maybe his value took a hit with the, with the nuke news. And, and maybe he's down in the pecking order just a little bit because of that. But a is so athletic and I love his, uh, his really play style that, that athletic tight end that can stretch the seam and make plays in the end zone. Those are the kinds of guys I like to invest in. He's tight end 19 in our rankings. Uh, I think he's tight end 14 or 15 in ADP right now, Ryan. And, that 
both of those sound a little bit too low for me with considering his upside. We don't like to uh, invest in tight end, uh, in Titans pass catchers potentially, you know, mostly. Um, but I'm going to make an exception for Oconquo. I I'm, I've sent out a couple feelers over the last uh, week or so since Nuke signed uh, just to see if, if that scared anybody off of Conquo. It didn't really in any of my leagues, but maybe they, maybe it did in yours. So it, uh, worth a shot to go after Chig. Yeah, I do think I think that's a good call, and and I think that's a good advice. That if the Hopkins signing, you know, has has you worried, or has your league mate worried? More importantly, if this if this creates any kind of buying opportunity, let's uh, let's scoop him up. I mean, we're still talking about a a second year tight end, even if you have to wait a year. Uh, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, just twenty three years old and uh, just dripping with upside, Chico Conquo. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. Ryan, while we were preparing for the show this week, you mentioned that we compared DLF Dynasty ADP to underdog redraft best ball ADP a year ago. And what better time to do that than this week? Uh, so let's uh, let's first recap what happened, what we do here, and uh, how it went last year. Yeah, so I actually went back and listened to last year's show when we uh, looked at underdog ADP, we looked at DLF ADP, and and honestly, the reason we were doing that a year ago is at that time we were we were kind of sharing sharing some uh, underdog drafts and talking through a lot of those drafts, and it, it, just every draft we did, it seemed like the topic of uh, Gabe Davis came up that he was so high on that underdog ADP, and uh, he was a, a being drafted as a top 20 redraft wide receiver. He was going off in the third or fourth round. And I remember those conversations of, wow, that's he's going higher in redraft uh, redraft leagues than he is in dynasty. And that just kind of pushed us to look for other players that fit that category. And uh, we talked about those last year. There were four guys that we highlighted. In addition to uh, Gabe Davis, we talked about, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, he was being drafted as the wide receiver 29 at the time and was the wide receiver 37 on DLF. Kadarius Toney uh, was being drafted slightly higher on underdog than uh, in dynasty drafts. Same thing for Texans wide receiver Nico Collins, just a, a small difference with him. And actually running back Trey Sermon fit the bill uh, this time last year as a guy who was being invested in redraft, but not really dynasty. So, I mean, looking back, we're going to talk about some of these same names today, but we, we certainly, I don't want to say we were wrong on Amon Ross St. Brown, Dan, because we uh, agreed with the, the underdog drafters. We thought Amon Ross St. Brown should be ranked or valued much higher than his wide receiver 37 ADP at the time. And uh, of course we were right because now he's a top 12 wide receiver and, and knocking on the door of being a first round startup player overall. Uh, but the underdog drafters were right as well for, for really valuing him in the short term. The rest of those guys, Tony Collins, and certainly Trey Sermon, I think the dynasty managers were correct that they they were not ready to place that type of value on those players. And that's, you know, that's maybe one of the redraft players got wrong. 
Yeah, let's keep those names in mind as well as we go through this. So you you presented this this uh, data to me, and there's there's certainly some interesting nuggets from this. But if we're focused on some young players that are valued at a different level in Dynasty than they are on underdog, the first name that comes to mind has to be Gabe Davis. He has an underdog ADP uh, positional rank or ADP of 39. He's down at wide receiver 51 in Dynasty. And my brain immediately, Ryan, goes to Dynasty managers have been burned, just as we've been talking about throughout mm-hmm. the episode, by Gabe Davis a little bit too much. And we've faded on him so far now that he's a wide receiver five down there at wide receiver 51 underdog uh, participants. They they're, they're investing a little bit more. They got him at wide receiver 39. How do you feel about this one? Those 12 spots of difference. I mean, I thought the, I thought the gap last year was crazy. Uh, Certainly has cooled off on, on both sides, uh, underdog and DLF this year after a a disappointing season last year. Uh, But I think we're still right on this. I mean, I look at the names above him on DLF ADP and there there's not many. I I can see where I would want to move him up. In fact, I look at the names below him and I want some of those guys ahead of Gabe Davis. So I, I think if we're, if we're making a case either way, I would actually push Davis lower uh, in value or in ADP and, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's the upside. There's certainly a difference in the type of game we're talking about. Obviously not just the, the long-term view of dynasty, but I mean, underdog is a best ball game and you know, it's a phrase that gets thrown around and and kind of mocked at times, but there are players like Rashid Shahid. And and I think Gabe Davis is one of those that are better in a best ball league or, or more fitting. So, you know, he's still a player. I feel like that has some upside because of what he's shown in small spurts because of the offense that he's a part of, but I'm, I'm just not willing to invest. I think, I think we are right on this one as, as dynasty managers. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think you highlighted the the right point there. The correct point with Gabe Davis is underdog is it is a best ball contest and, and Gabe Davis has those spike weeks and that's what we're buying over there on underdog in dynasty. We don't necessarily have those kind of luxuries, and that's what maybe maybe faded him uh, down there to wide receiver 51 numbers. The next young name is a name we've already talked about. It's Nico Collins once again. You you mentioned him earlier. Uh, last season, wide receiver 77 on underdog, wide receiver 76 on DLF. This year, that spiked just a little bit. Wide receiver 54 on underdog, but wide receiver 63 on DLF. Are we missing something here with Nico Collins and his opportunity down there with the Houston Texans? I don't think so. I mean, I think the, <laughs> the, the story is probably the same as it was last year that he has this, this path to being the starter. And that was, that was true last year. Brandon cooks was, was in his way and, and is now gone. And, and of course cooks was in and out of the, uh, the lineup a lot last year anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, Robert Woods is there now. John Mechie, we we hope is is ready to go. I mean, Collins is just he's just fine, right? He's just fine, but um, I'm still surprised to see such a gap in his dynasty versus redraft or best ball value. Well, the problem in Houston has changed dramatically. They've upgraded the quarterback. We think they've upgraded that coaching staff, but there's a lot of unknowns there. 
the thing is there is not a number one pass catcher even on that team. And and if you poll dynasty managers everywhere, um, is it Nico Collins? Is it Robert Woods? Is it Mechie? Could it be Dalton Schultz? Is it going to be Damian Pierce? You might, you might get 20% of the field on all of those names. So, so the, the unknown maybe is what's pushing Nico Collins up there in the redraft community. And, and I'm not sure that, that the, the settings over there on underdog where, where we're talking about best ball is, is really helping Nico Collins. There's nothing in his past, uh, at least with the Houston Texans that would suggest that he's a spike week player. He, uh, he has big games that would, that would make you want to invest in him in, in redraft uh, or in, in, uh, in best ball. So I'm not sure where this is coming from either. I think most likely it's the, it's the fishing for that wide receiver one for CJ Stroud. And, and he could be, I mean, he's the one, he's the one that's been there before. Uh, but you look at, at what this team did. They signed Robert Woods, uh, John Mechie, of course, certainly we're all rooting for him and hoping he is, is able to bounce back and, and continue his career. Uh, they signed Noah Brown from the Cowboys. They draft tank Dell. Uh, they signed Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys what are the odds that Nico Collins holds off all of those guys, all of them and is the top target on this team? Not great. So again, I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting the W in our, uh, in our column on this one. I think, I think I'm, I'm not avoiding Nico Collins again. He's, he's fine, but to say he's valued higher in redraft than, than dynasty. I, I don't get it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on there either. Um, you know, honestly, I'm not sure what's going on with Kadarius Tony either. A year ago, he was seven spots higher on underdog. This year, he's eight spots higher on underdog than he is on DLF. And there is a strong case to be made that he's in a way better situation. Now, there was some news this week. Kadarius Tony went down with the injury uh, really pre, pre-training camp as they were warming up, it sounded like. Uh, that's going to affect things. But wide receiver 36 for Kadarius Toney in redraft compared to 44 in DLF's Dynasty ADP. Those eight spots, it's head-scratching really, Ryan. Well, I think part of it, again, is the best ball um, setting and and the upside that Toney has. We've seen... Small flashes of it. The names, uh, the names above Tony, are what makes you scratch your head, though. Yes, yes. I don't, I don't know where we can find those eight names. Well, yeah, I, I don't either. I mean, I'm, I'm again, like, uh, like Gabe Davis. I, I think he's too high at wide receiver forty four in dynasty. He's, mm-hmm. he's just, he's not a player I want. I, I get a little bit why a, a best ball drafter, an underdog drafter, would chase him the the upside that we've seen the um the upside of really just being a part of the chiefs offense honestly the more i talk about it i'm reminded of the conversation we just had with rashad penny and it might be the same thing in in wide receiver form that even though it's only been two years now in the league dynasty managers are already getting burned by this guy he can't stay on the field even when he's healthy he's he's you know, he's running 10 routes a game and, and seeing six targets on those 10 routes. Like none of his game makes sense. Uh, I think he's, he's tough to project uh, both from a short-term and a long-term uh, uh, standpoint. And 
and he just can't stay healthy. So again, I think, I think he's way too high, both in dynasty and redraft. His teammate, Sky Moore, is six spots higher in underdog as well. This one, there's a little bit of an unknown with Sky Moore. It feels like the injury history of his teammate, Kadarius Toney, uh, makes that one a, a little bit more far-fetched. The Sky Moore one, can you get on board with ADP of wide receiver 56 in dynasty compared to 50 on underdog? I mean, we're, we see obviously a smaller a lottery gap here. ticket down there. Yeah. We see a smaller gap between, between the two ADPs, uh, 56 in, in DLF right now. I think it, it's tough to find those players that essentially do nothing in year one and then really come on to, to make an impact, uh, almost at any point in their career. So, um, the fact that, that Moore was such a disappointment in his rookie season is, is really kind of what I think dynasty managers are holding against him right now. Just like Kadarius Tony, though, he's got he's got that path to not only playing time, but being a significant target in the best offense in the league. So um if I'm picking who's right, who's wrong here, I mean, again, we're talking about a small gap, but I I could see Sky Moore. Uh, moving up and and jumping ahead of some of the guys that are in front of him right now, I, I could give this one to the um, to the best ball side, especially with that Tony injury. Yeah, that's that's the exact point I was going to make. If there's one on this list that we've talked about so far, I think it might be Sky Moore because of the unknowns. There's a handful of other young players that have moved up two, three spots uh, in redraft compared to dynasty. They include uh, the those Chiefs teammates, Isaiah Pacheco from wide receiver, or excuse me, running back 30 in DLF to running back 27. Also quarterback Justin Fields, uh, positional ADP gap of eight to six. So just two spots there. Rashad White is a fun one, running back 27 on DLF, running back 25. Uh, his ADP on underdog. And then some one spot gaps include Brian Robinson, Khalil Herbert, Kenny Pickett, Brock Purdy, and Desmond Ritter. There's there's like eight names for you, Ryan. Is there anything we can glean out of these eight names? Well, I was trying to pick out because we we did mention the the name earlier uh, as as we talked about last year. Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, that yeah. he was, you know, he's the one that stands out from that conversation that we held this time last year as obviously we were all way too low on, on St. Brown. And as I looked through this list and, and I maybe tried to decide if, if there's a St. Brown this year, who is it? I'm not sure there is. And uh, there, there's not going to be every year, but if there is, I, I think it's Isaiah Pacheco because the situation oh, okay. uh, of course, obviously different positions here, but the situation that St. Brown was in is that he was that, that day three pick that flashed as a rookie surprised as a rookie but we kind of held that draft capital against him. We didn't, uh, we weren't necessarily ready to buy in or draft him uh, highly in startups. Pacheco's kind of the same story here, right? A, a, a day three pick, a late, I think actually what, the sixth, seventh rounder. Um, and, and even after earning the job, after overtaking Clyde Edwards Hilaire and uh, becoming the starter for the Super Bowl champion, still down at, at running back 30 for us. So 
uh, he's already kind of shown it and we're still not quite there. We're still not quite trusting that um, similar to what we did with Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, I I didn't expect you to say that. I expected maybe maybe the mad answer, the easy answer out of you. Um, oh, I thought I was going to be the one that would say Pacheco. I'm I'll I'll pivot to the easy one then. I'll take Justin Fields. He's he's quarterback eight in DL on DLF. He's quarterback six over there on Underdog. You know he he proved it uh, with his legs a year ago. Um, just just so dynamic, uh, making big plays. It seemed like twice, three times a game. Uh, running the football. And um, if he's able to turn it on with his passing game, which which doesn't seem like that much of a stretch, uh, considering the changes that they made there in Chicago, it, you know, you could easily see him finishing in the top five in quarterbacks, uh, as long as that rushing upside uh, stays and he continues to stay healthy. Uh, Rashad White was another one that mm. I could see a lot of people picking just two spots worth of difference there too, but lots of opportunity for the second year tailback down there in Tampa Bay. Uh, as long as that offensive line holds up before we get out of here, Ryan, there were some veterans that were kind of eye catching Tyler Boyd, 28 spots of difference from underdog to DLF from wide receiver, 79, all the way up to 51. Those guys on underdog probably banking on uh, Boyd, maybe getting an injury to one of those top two guys. Other names that that jump uh, between 13 and 22 spots include DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Alan Lazard, uh, interestingly, and then Keenan Allen. These veteran receivers that have done it before, uh, with the exception of Lazard, of course, um, that that checks out. These these guys over at Underdog, they're going to invest in veteran wide receivers a lot sooner than us over here on the Dynasty side. Yeah, Boyd's an interesting one. I, I mean, I think, of course, stacking is a big part of your underdog yep. best ball strategy. So if you've if you've already got uh, Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase, maybe you're uh, targeting Tyler Boyd and being a little more aggressive uh, maybe than you would typically be with a player like that. So his ADP really gets pushed up. But I also think we're we're probably pushing him down too far. Wide receiver 79 yeah. is, is pretty crazy for a uh, a 28-year-old receiver on, you know, one of the top offenses in the league with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Again, the best ball format helps him. He's going to pop up with a two-quarterback game at some point. I have no idea when, neither do you or anybody else. Yeah, if I knew, I, I could make a lot of money on that, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, Tyler Boyd, it's it's an interesting one because I believe he's in the last year of his contract as well. And he's yeah. I think he's had enough bright spots in his career to make us think if he hits unrestricted free agency, finds his way to a team where he could be a number one or maybe even number two option, uh, there could be some upside down the line. I, I could see like a Marvin Jones type of role for him somewhere where suddenly he's fantasy relevant again and uh, makes a splash for dynasty players as well. And to get that down there at wide receiver 79, it's worth worth thinking about if you're thinking about a year from now already and trying to find that wide receiver six or seven that could gain a little bit of value or at least score you a few points. Uh, we missed Matt. We hope he gets back soon, but this was fun, Ryan. Uh, just the two of us. We'll try to get all three of us on one of these episodes. No promises though. Uh, things seem to always be coming up. Training camp is kicking off. We hope you're as excited about it as we are. We're going to be covering all the news, all the training camp battles, and everything else going on in Dynasty over the coming weeks and months as we get ready for the 2023 season. For Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF 
Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.